What's going on, everyone? My name is George Khalife. We're back with another episode of Let's Grab Coffee. I'm here today with Julian Lutz, none other than Director X. We don't have coffee. I know, man. <laughs> and we're caffeined out. This is, this is what happens at 2 p.m. <laughs> Let's grab water. <laughs> we'll settle for water just now. Yeah. Um, if you don't know Director X, he's behind some of the biggest music videos, like Hotline Bling. It's getting hot in here. So he's worked with top artists like Drake, Kanye, Jay-Z, Bieber, Sean Paul, Rihanna, you name it. If you've seen a top music video, this man has been behind it. He's actually elevated the R&B and hip-hop music video scene in Canada. Brought a lot of light to it. He's an OG from Brampton, my man. Yeah, man. Originally from Toronto, <laughs> raised and born here. So I appreciate that. Um, recently directed the movie Superfly. If you haven't watched it, it's a thriller slash crime movie. Really, really cool to see. Um, just overall great dude. Recently coming out with a message too around mental health and meditation, how that can actually help people reduce their kind of violence uh, and certain things around that. He has a very interesting story that I want to share in a bit. But thanks a lot for doing this, man. I really yeah. appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Tell me one thing. So I've been doing a lot of research, as I said, you know, before we started. And, um, you know, you were born in Toronto, raised in, in, in the GTA. How did, how did you actually get into the music video scene? Like, how did that happen? Uh, you know, I did an internship of Much Music, which got me interested in directing. Before that, I thought I was going to be a graphic designer or something. And then uh, internship in New York City for a director named Hype Williams. And that led to me doing storyboards. You know, uh, the people that I met while being an intern and drawing his storyboards were the people that gave me a shot, especially the, well, not just anybody, the hip-hop label. So Bad Boy, mm. uh, Def Jam, these, these labels gave me my first shot. And obviously, I mean, for those who don't know, Hype Williams is really the, the pioneer, right, in this? Totally. Uh, and getting mentored by him early is, is huge. I mean, how did, you, how did you even get in touch with Hype in the beginning? I didn't get a hold of Hype. I got a hold of his office. That's the thing a lot of these uh, kids don't quite get. You know, if you're trying to get to Steve, well, not Steve Jobs anymore, but uh, Tim Cook. Tim Cook, yeah. Steve you, you, you can't call the office and ask for Tim. Leave a message for Tim. <laughs> Hit him on the Instagram. Call me, Tim. I got a great, and I get messages like that. You know, call me. Mm. Why am I gonna call you? I mean, just it just doesn't. So I, so I uh, got a hold of the, got the number for the office. Asked to to send something to if I wanted to get it to him. Okay. I sent it. Still had to chase him down. It wasn't so simple. You sent your the portfolio of your work. Correct? Portfolio of my work. But really, the big changes when I was in New York. I, had, I was in New York on a trip and, uh, with a bunch of friends, and I had hit them. I had sent it earlier, so then I'd hit them up, like, hey, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Oh, I was calling. Have you seen it? And then one day they're like, ah, we don't know who you are. We don't know what you're talking about. So I'm like, oh, I'm come get my shit back then. So I went to the office to get back the stuff I sent them, and no one was there except for a receptionist, so I made him watch my tape. I'm like, you watch my tape. He watched it. He said, wait till this producer comes back. The producer came in, she watched it, and she goes, oh, this is good, what do you want to do? I just want to intern. I know I'm good enough to work for free. Mm. And uh, she said, all right, come back in a month. And then I'm back in Toronto and just felt like, you know, when you get that small town, I got to get out of here feeling? Yeah. And I had that feeling, so I left two weeks early. Where'd you go? Back to New York. Okay. And then when I got there, the day I walked in was the day that producer had quit. Wow. Talk about fate, man. <laughs> yeah. So quit. All right. Well, one of the things you were doing too um, at the time, I remember you were in downtown with a bunch of buddies. You woke up, you turned on the TV, and you 
you saw the music video Flavor in Your Year. Yeah, Flavor in Your Remix. I mean, was that the initial inspiration for you? Like, you saw it, you're like, this is what I want to be doing? No, no, that was just, a, I remember that just being a moment of Hype's work, knowing that Hype's work was something special compared to everybody else's. But when I, when, it was the time I watched music when I decided this is the path I want to go down. Now, was this self-taught? Like, did you did you have to go to school? I mean, was a lot of this... I, I had to read a lot of my own stuff. I, I didn't go to school, no. I just had to figure it out on my own. I was lucky to be around hype and learn from him. But yeah, you really learn it. It's really, um, yeah, I didn't go to school. And I was watching the, the kind of structure behind Hotline Bling. Uh, it was cool just to see kind of your type of thinking and how you know your music videos have evolved, but also a lot of the patterns. Like, you were talking about how, how a lot of your early videos would always open up in this... Uh, in this segment, or rather, I think that one, yeah, yeah, and then you kind of open up this way. What, like, how do when you when you work with Drake, for example, how does that happen? I mean, when when you listen to like Hotline Bling in the beginning, do you have an idea immediately visually of how it wants to look like? No, you listen to. Sometimes you have an idea right away. Other times you just got to keep listening and listening, trying different things, writing things down. You just do, you got to find your way to your creativity. Because mm. I remember there's a lot of colors there, and obviously, I think one of the things you wanted to do was make it more genuine, right? So he was kind of dancing on his own, and, and that's what led to obviously being going Well, viral. he knew he wanted to do the dancing. He had an idea for that in his head. Um, the Hotline Bling is really about setting the stage for someone to perform, mm. right? Because ultimately, people are there to see the artist, and they want to engage with them. They're not thinking about photography or what things look like, or they, they respond to um, performance. They, perform, they respond to energy. They respond to a concept if it's funny or engaging. But if the concept is just looking good, the, per the audience will respond to that on a subconscious level. They'll know that it looks good or it feels like it, it feels expensive. But just a good looking video isn't gonna make them say, oh wow, that video was shot so well. They may, they may just know it's better, but they don't, act, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh, those sets are all, they just, this is all just stuff working back here. But done properly, that's what it is. Like our, you know, some people have jobs that is all about like you're a performer. They, what you do is meant to directly affect the audience. Yeah. I'm a director. What I do is made to affect the audience subconsciously. You don't know why you like that movie more than you like this movie. You don't know why you like that story more than you like, but my job is to know why, to know, right. to break those things down and do those, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, a lot of it is psychology, right? And uh, to your point, like, you're capturing someone's attention without them even maybe knowing it, right? Yeah. So what have you learned, I mean, doing so many music videos as, uh, this far? Like, what, what's been the biggest lesson with, with that aspect of making videos? Uh, I don't know if there's a lesson. I haven't really thought it through to tell you now, like, oh, this is the thing. But, um, you know, I, I often say we have to be conscious of the subconscious. So it is, it, it, there is a bunch of stuff going on that only other filmmakers are gonna notice, but the audience notices in a different way. They don't register it, they can't put their finger on it, but they know it feels better, certain work feels better, certain things feel better, feel, you know. And like when you look at works like, like Hotline Bling as an example, it's kind of hot in here, I mean, those are two very viral, both songs but also music videos. I mean, Hotline Bling I was checking like yesterday with like 1.5 billion views, that's crazy. When, when there was a shift to YouTube, for example, and even in the early days, I remember you saying like a lot of people were actually disrooting music videos to begin with. They're like, oh, they're not that important, and, and you still kind of had to go or overcome that hurdle. When there was a shift to, to YouTube, did, did you have to make a big adjustment in the way you produced? 
Um, no, not me personally. You know, the budgets are still the budgets. What I need to make a music video is what I need, right? Um, so I was, it was, I was still doing pretty much what I do. Uh, you know, the change of music video. Now you see, even in the YouTube age, that a great music video can still have a, a big, big impact. Mm -hmm. Even now, even more. Like there weren't music, back when music videos were on television, there were never music videos that made it to the news. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was a big video on MTV, and if you were watching MTV, you knew it was going, you know? Yeah, yeah. But now we're in this age where you get, you know, Hotline Bling is spoken about on the news. So, this is America was spoken about on the news. Like, there was, you can actually have music videos that break through the clutter and break through the, you know, they can just kind of smash uh, the everyday humdrum. Mm. What do you find is most challenging with your work? Um, I don't know. I don't know. And again, it's not. I don't. There isn't a most challenging part of the job. Every job has its own twists and turns. Do you feel like dealing with the artist sometimes can be uh, can be a challenge? Like making sure that whatever you produce comes across uh, comes across to what they're looking. Depends for. on the artist. Mm. But when you're making a music video, my job isn't to make sure the artist fulfills my vision. Got it. I'm I'm fulfilling theirs. It's their music video. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you sit down at the beginning, you kind of talk about what they're... I mean, look, there's, I, it's something like this. Some People need to... Words are important. Mm. I don't work with Drake. I work for Drake. Drake works with me. Mm. You understand? Yeah. You're not working with your boss. You work for your boss. Your boss works with you. Got it. You understand? Yeah, yeah. And it's subtle little things, but that's something that puts... Those little words put things in perspective. Yeah. It's their music video. It's their song. It's their life. It's their career. It's their concert that they're going to go sing. That's, it's theirs. Mm. I'm making something for them. I'm part of their team. I'm working for them. You understand? Know yeah. They're working with me. Yeah, it's definitely a different perspective to have. Yeah, so you know, for the, there are directors that you know, feel like it's their video. And it's not yours. You're not paying for it. Now, when you look back, was there, was there like a tipping point? I mean, there's always that, that kind of tipping point in everybody's life, right, where something just hits or obviously with, with so much work in the background, but you just feel like this is it, like this this production or this work that I did, this is gonna change. I'm not that guy. I don't I've never had that. Some people have that feeling, oh this is the song and then it becomes a song. I've never been that guy, ah, this is the one and then it's the one. In fact it's normally opposite when I have that feeling. <laughs> so I just don't I don't bother with predictions. Okay. Would you say like Hotline Bling, for example, is one that you're re really proud of? I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. Like, like, when we it. made it, uh, when we made Hotline Bling, I'm like, oh, I think this will do well in the hip hop world, within our little community, within our, you know what I mean, within our four walls. Yeah, I think this will be well received, and then it exploded into this massive thing. But I didn't think that would happen. Again, I just I don't have that ability. Some people do. I'm not one of them. So I let the I do my best, and then. Release and because at the end of the day as well for me, well whatever, it's just it's, it, that's how I approach it. Make it and put it out yeah. into the world. And I think that that's maybe a message too because a lot of my friends are either photographers or just starting out in this game and uh, or video videographers for that matter. Uh, and putting out something is always uh, there's always a bit of hesitation. You know, like even when I first started this thing too. I mean, it's always you're always scared to because you want to make it perfect. You know, and if you screw up and a lot of it was live too, so it's like. Now you're on. Like you can't, yeah. you can't fuck this up. You know this yeah. is it. 
Uh, do you have that hinge, and how do you kind of get over that, especially now because you have such a big name behind you? I mean, I don't got a choice. Again, it's not mine. I don't can't stop a release. That's <laughs> mm. it. I make it, and they take it. They take it. And what they do with it is their business. Some people don't put things out. Some people wait. Some people, some people do the wrong thing as far as I'm concerned with how they roll things out or how they market things. Again, I can just watch as they do it. It's not mine. Mm. I mean, I'm old now in the game, bro. So I now have <laughs> I have the old soldier mentality. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. take it or leave. <laughs> you know why? Why work get worked up over some shit that's not my shit? What, what have been some some lessons, especially now that you've been? I mean, you've been at this for like 25 years now. Yeah. Right. Um, what are some things that you kind of take away looking back? Um, those kinds of things. Getting acting like it's yours. Getting emotional over something that does not belong to you. You know what I'm saying? Because what, what does it ultimately do besides uh, upset your client? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you voice your opinion as best you can, and, you know, at that point, like I said, this is, I'm, I'm in a service, I am a service business. The things I make are not mine. I'm fortunate that people have noticed the style and, and, um, you know, like we're having this interview now. Mm-hmm. A lot of directors that exist that you're not interviewing all of them, so we're having this talk. It's a blessing. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the work I do, none of it belongs to me. Mm-hmm. Outside of an artistic, you know, esoteric sense. But as my property, it's not mine. And, and what do you make of, of Canada's scene right now in terms of R&B, hip-hop? I mean, it's incredible. A lot, a lot has changed. I mean, look, bro. We have multiple artists. We have multiple we producers. We have there's so many different people doing things in the in the world on the world stage that it's amazing in hip hop in R and B. In fact, defining the sound. I'm, I see Americans all the time saying, "Oh, just a little ting." They start using <laughs> ting. There's, you see all these Americans put ting in their little captions and things like that. That's directly a Toronto influence. So it's amazing, man. It's amazing watching the whole world open up because now you have British artists that are yeah. big in the hip hop world, R and B world. I mean, there are hip, um, British artists always had a little bit of an R and B thing going on. They'd been on been their own in, kind of segment of rap. The, the rap came in much later, but even that didn't penetrate like now. But even so, they don't have hit artists. They don't have a Drake. They don't mm-hmm. have a Weekend. But they're there. Like if you're listening, you know they're there. Of course, what's happened in the Latin world? That's huge. J Balvin, I guess. Unreal, unreal. So to the point, I, I never thought you would just hear a full-on hit record where one guy's doing his thing in English, the other guy's doing it in Spanish, and that's just the record, and that's on the radio. Yeah. It's like, it's wild. And you're seeing covers, too, like Jaden Smith recently did one with Will and on uh, Iconic, I think, and, or Icon, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty dope. You've worked with J Balvin, no? Yeah, yeah, J Balvin was the guest artist on the Rosalia video I did. Okay. And you've worked with Beebs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How was that? Because you worked with, with Bieber kind of early days too, right? Like when he was still... Well, he, was, he was transitioning from boy to man when I did that video. And that's a lot of what that video was about. Yeah. Seeing him, you know, not man-man, but just... In the teen phase. Teen, more, yeah, grown. Grown, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, but just seeing him more in that world. And now he's challenging Tom Cruise to fist fights. Yeah, so. I saw that. <laughs> he called out Dana White on Twitter. I don't yeah, know to, to, or to organize the fight. You saw this? 
It's crazy, man. I don't know. Tom Cruise been trained, but I mean, that, I don't know if that's. I would not want to fight with Tom Cruise. No. Do you, many, do you know how many fucking lethal killers have trained Tom Cruise since his 20s for movies? No, seriously, yeah. No, those. That, not, he does all his stunts, too. Seriously, ser no, super seriously. Like, who do you think <laughs> trains him to do. Uh, what's that? The latest ninja movie of his uh, um, when he's the soldier. What's that soldier one? You know the one he's the, like an army guy? Uh, Jack Reacher. Oh, that's right. Who do you think trains him to do the Jack Mission Reacher Impossible. stuff? Mission Impossible. Who do you think trains him in all those fight scenes? It's not just some guy pretending. It's some guy who probably killed people <laughs> before they decided to make movie, help movie stars look like they kill people. And he does all his own stunts. And he, Tom, you, Tom Cruise is not someone I'd want to fuck with. Hell no. Hell no. Anybody who voluntarily jumps out of a plane for fun? Bro, not, he's right. fearless. You know, it would be... I, I like Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> That's what so I'm this, saying. So, so this is not me saying this like, I hope you get butt. I, I, I'm, I put my money on Tom, bro. Sorry, Justin. But Let's that, just say that, we're tuning in, man. That, that, boy, that boy trains. That's a, that, I wouldn't fuck around with Tom Cruise. That'd be a bad idea. Is there anyone else? Like, I'm just, we're talking about all these artists. I mean, these are top artists. Is there anybody else that you really kind of want to work with that you still haven't? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of people, but I'm, again, I'm old now, bro. I'm not, I'm not here wishing on that. I'm, Come on, dude, you're young soul, man. I'm a young soul, but I'm a grown, I'm a grown ass man, bro. I, <laughs> there, there's still some, though. Yeah, sure. If it happens, it happens. I'm good. And if you look back at it, what's, what's, what, what are some things that you're really kind of happy that you've accomplished? I'm trying to get a sense, like, obviously, when, when you've done so much, um, are there certain, like, highlights when you look back? Yeah, I mean, look, doing a big studio picture was a highlight, definitely. Um, Sony Pictures, Joel Silver, that was a that's, a, that's a, that's a big moment. It's a moment. So it was great. It was great. Yeah. Him and... and it takes time, right, to build a brand. Like, obviously, when, when you built your business, starting from scratch, like, it's always difficult in the beginning, too, like, to get that first client... Right, and yeah. kind of growing that portfolio as well. Yeah, because a lot of people listening to this, like that's what I think they're missing too. And it goes back to what you were saying about working for, uh, like in those kind of early days when you were interning, and you're like, oh, look, I listen, I work for free, but I know how good my work is. Um, is that something that, like, is the hustle really is kind of what got you here, like with that hard work? Yeah, I mean, the hustle is, yeah, brother, it's the hustle, you know. But then you grow from a point where you're hustling by yourself, and then suddenly you're working with a team. You know, it's a team hustle. Mm. So the, you the things evolve. Yeah, you have to. There's just, you have to. It might have been you and your buddy at one point, but then just it expands and grows, and you're working with other folks. It's important. And are you looking to do more movies now? Because I know you did Superfly recently. I saw that. Is that something that you want to do more of, like just straight movies rather than music videos? I mean, I love filmmaking in general. So, of course, there's more movies to make. There's more TV shows to make. There's more commercials to make. There's more music videos to make. Mm. So it's a matter of elevating the level of it. There's always this underlying talk when people ask you that, like music videos is this lesser form of filmmaking. And it's just not. You, music videos, as an artist, music videos is one of the few places you get real freedom to create things, to really learn the process from beginning to end. Um, I mean, if I was judging a director, I would judge them, give me three music videos. Give me four of your music videos, I can tell you what kind of director you are, how smart you are, how technically knowledgeable you are. I can tell everything I need to know from your music video work. I can't tell that from your commercials. I cannot tell that from your television shows. Mm. Maybe the movie, depending on the movie. 
if it's a bunch of studio pictures, that gets shaky. If it's a bunch of big producers, uh, it's still, it's, there's a lot of people in those, in those parts of the game that get to walk into the edit room and tell you to leave. Mm. People don't understand how this game goes. It's tough skin. You can leave now, director. The producers are going to finish. Right. And if you're smart, you leave. <laughs> and if you're not smart, you yell and scream and talk about you're not leaving. And then, but you'll still have to leave. Now you just piss them off. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Music videos, no one walks in to tell you leave. If, some, if that happens, you've, then it's, it takes a long time and there's a whole process. That means people are really, really not happy. But in general, you finish the job. You start, it's your idea, so I can tell if you're creative. Mm. Then you have to execute it, so I can tell your technical abilities. Then you have to edit it, so I can tell about your timing. Right. And then you do the absolute final, final finish and hand the final product to your client. Right. There, there's nothing, there's no other part of filmmaking that goes that way. Maybe, maybe a movie, depending on the producer, depending on the studio, depending on your demeanor, depending on, depending on your status. And there's a bunch of depends in movie making that, it, that isn't there in music video. So It's also because it's shorter, right? And I, I don't know if that's a big factor, but it's like when you have three to five minutes, doesn't that make it more no, challenging? No, a commercial is 30 seconds. Mm. Thank you, director, you can leave. Yeah. Thank you for your work. We'll take it from here. We'll send you when we're done. Wow. It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of structure, a matter of just standards and rules of the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, again, I'm watching. Take, you, you can, it, it takes a lot of work in those, in those parts of filmmaking for you to really be able to get your vision through from beginning to end. Mm. It's a lot of work and a lot of, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, I mean, how many, how, many, how many stories have you heard when they say, oh, the movie's a disaster, they fired the director. Another director came in and finished the scene. The producer was there, shoot all these movies you hear these types of stories at. Yeah. It's just not, you know what I'm saying? It is what it is, that's how the game goes. Yeah, no, sometimes there is an alignment. That's, that is definitely interesting, but what I was referring to with the time question is like when, when you're doing a movie, for example, mm-hmm. right, you're working with an hour, an hour and a half, mm-hmm. two hours, Versus when you do like a three-minute segment, do you find that the, the shorter clips are more difficult to execute because you have less to work? Like, you know, you have to create a story in like three no, minutes. I mean, it's every, every filmmaking, filmmaking, man. It's just everything has its challenges in their own way, in their own different thing, mm. right? So you're making a music video and you're racing against time because you have a bunch of shots you got to get. Well, you could be making a movie and the and the actors just we're just not getting it. Mm. Yeah, this doesn't feel right. Okay, try this. I'll try that. Oh, this doesn't. Bit of intuition there. Like kind of just, I'm saying, just things are different. Yeah. You, know, you could be doing a commercial, and the client wants to keep on doing more different smiles, or the little girl didn't catch the ball the right way, or there's all kinds of different ways that a shoot day can get wild. A TV show, they could just have too much to do in the day. They could just have too many pages to shoot. I mean, there's so there's no one scenario or one part of filmmaking where it's an easier deal or a harder deal just because you're doing that thing. Each one of them has their own challenge. Mm. Obviously, like, a lot of your work has, has a huge creative element to it, right? And then it's like, I think different creatives have different approaches to how they, they go about doing it. Like, some people, it's when they're bored the most that they come out with something really genius. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like a muscle, kind of like storytelling. You know, the more you're, you're thinking of it, or in entrepreneurship, when you think of ideas, mm-hmm. you keep running them down, eventually one of them you can execute on. Right. What's your approach, like, to, to being the most creative that you can be? Um, I think writing is important. 
Like a journaling? The, no, writing. They're actually writing okay. your story, writing your treatment. The, okay. the process of beginning to get creative yeah. spurs the rest of your creativity. It starts questions. So I could have a story in my head and I could kind of plan it out. Mm. Good enough to say, hey, here's my idea for the story. Then, so the girl comes to the house and then she meets the guy and then the, there's a guy in the closet. So the guy in the closet kills the girl, but the other guy escaped. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, the movie's about him running away, but then at the end he finds his dad. Or like, whatever, whatever. And I could sell you, and you go, hey, that sounds good. <laughs> Let's write it now. Yeah, yeah. Then you start writing it, and you go, oh, well, now this and that, and then this, and maybe this should happen. Okay, and then it begins to, it gets flushed out. So it's just, you gotta go through these processes. You know what I mean? And that's, to me, the surefire get the brain moving mm -hmm. is writing. Either typing or writing it down, but when you begin to write, getting it active, getting it going, writing it out, you begin to think of other things because you're now in a conversation with yourself essentially. Like when you're brainstorming with someone else, yeah. hey, what if we did that? Oh, that's a good idea. But, but, but you're doing it between you and the page. And where do you, where, like, where do you draw that inspiration from? Is it your surroundings, your environment, your socialization? Um, everything, everything, man. Sometimes I'm just looking at pictures. You know, the go to an art gallery reading things, what you just enjoy. I find that sometimes what you enjoy just begins to lead you to mm -hmm. something that's coming in the future, whether you, you know what I mean? Yeah. A little mystical kind of way. Uh, lately I've been watching a bunch of history battles. All right. And then I find myself in a conversation about a movie that has a lot to do with battles in history. history. But now I've been watching these battles so I can say to the producer, man, the way movies have done battles forever all suck. Mm. Two guys, two, two groups of men in a field, and they all run at one another, and they hit each other, and they were like, oh, it was a battle scene. And then, but now I'm watching these, these, uh, these history channel movies, not history channel, but these history, there's a bunch of stuff out there. Apparently people took notes. There, there's someone documenting when the cavalry came and that the cavalry hit the infantry and the infantry collapsed and then the people ran because the flanked them from all these. And you begin to understand, oh, these are really big chess battles. You understand the strategy involved. But the movies we watch never do that. Mm -hmm. They never show you battles in that way. You know what I mean? So things like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, having a, I'm doing something I enjoy over here, and next thing I know, I'm in an office talking to someone, and they're like, oh, fuck, you're yeah, you're right, yeah. That is, that is a new way to do a battle scene. We haven't seen that. You're correct. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's much like I was watching Hamilton. I don't know if you, you saw that. that play. I haven't seen the play, no. Yeah, I was in Chicago, and uh, I saw it live. The cool, like one of, one of the, the coolest kind of musicals I've seen in a while. It talks about the four uh, fathers, like the founding fathers, mm -hmm. and, uh, but it's different because it has obviously a different element, and they're rapping the whole time. There's literally like no, yeah. no kind of proper discussion. It's just rapping from start to finish. It's like a two-hour play. So, uh, and all of it is rhyming, and it's, it's just, it's super interesting. So, when you see stuff like this, too, I'm sure, obviously, you can draw a lot of inspiration. Yeah, that. man, of course. Art is a thing, so you just want to be in the world of art, being around it, uh, and any form that it comes to you in, and just let it, for me, that's a, a part of it, being in art itself. When I'm walking through a museum, it feels like a forest. I get that same feeling, like I'm walking in nature. Mm. So one of the things you also do is, is you're a pretty big proponent of meditation, right? Yes. Mindfulness, meditation. Mm -hmm. I know this is a new message of yours as well, um, it's especially for maybe the younger generation as well. But when you first kind of <clears throat> came across meditation, as I'm sure a lot of people have, especially with like a lot of the apps that, that you see uh, right now that people mm -hmm. are kind of using these tools, 
Uh, what, what was your first take? Like, were you kind of negative uh, towards it or positive? Like, no, it was, I was trying it out. Was the, the meditation method I learned was called the Silva method. And I was testing out, because part of the way they sell it is like, ah, with the Silva method, you could change the universe and change the way you're this and manifest all, it's like this manifestation, they have all these, but in order to get, so they, their whole thing is that if you meditate into the alpha state, while you're in the alpha state, you can envision things and do, you know, and it gets really weird. You know, like, I made myself taller. I changed my hair color. Like, they all, I cured all these diseases. Like, they go wild. So manifestation. Well, that's when it's an art. There's a science nerd to me, and I'm open to possibilities, but I need to see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not enough to say, oh, my, this thing that gets rid of EMF radiation. Well, show me the, where's the experiment? How'd you do that? Show me the experiment. Show me the data. I'll try it now. You know what I mean? Not just saying isn't enough. So I said, oh, let me try this, uh, hair color changing. This would be a useful skill if I could do things like this. So I tried it, and it's interesting, but in what they're, beyond whether you can change the, the, your manifest your dreams through it, I don't know. But the technique that they use to get you to that alpha state is legitimate meditation. Okay. And so that's how I learned, and, you know, and that's what I do. And so you have obviously a story. If you haven't seen it, check out TEDx. A, it's pretty much everywhere now, but... Um, a night back when, I think in 2015, yeah. you were hosting a party, and it was New Year's, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, you found yourself, just got shot. Yeah, somebody shot, somebody got shot, somebody shot someone else on the dance floor. The bullet went through two people and hit me. This was at your party? At my party. So, but that, so that begun, began this new... Transformation, right? Yeah, it wasn't a right, it wasn't immediate, but that interest in science, that event... So there's, my interest in science has me, I'm looking at these studies where they're, they're saying, oh, uh, people who are violent, people with violent and aggressive behavior, yeah. um, their brains are not the same as the average person. Right. Oh, well, that's interesting. I'm reading, yeah, the prefrontal cortex is not, is not as, doesn't, I remember that being from what I read it the first time, that the prefrontal cortex is lacking volume, and in the average person, there's more volume in their prefrontal cortex. Oh, that's interesting. Then I find another set of studies that talk about meditation changes the brain, that it actually puts volume in the prefrontal cortex and changes the amygdala. Oh, that's, well, that seems like that's related. And then I find another set of studies that say, oh, children that are abused and neglected have a bunch of the parts of their brain that, uh, that are affected by it. In, the, in their studies, they say it's permanent brain damage. Mm. They say unchangeable brain damage to children that are abused and neglected. And amongst those regions of the brain is uh, the amygdala where emotions are regulated yeah. and the prefrontal cortex. So it's all kind of floating around. And then, so when I did the TED talk, I went back and re-looked at everything. And so, okay, so you have children that are abused and neglected. These guys here say it's permanent, forget about it. The prefrontal cortex, the, uh, the amygdala and a couple other regions of the brain, they are damaged and cannot be fixed. And then you find these things about people who are with a violent, aggressive behavior that then you really look at the studies, oh, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex are the two regions of the brain that they find have the big difference between people, the average person, yeah. right? But again, so now if you just look at those two studies, you go, okay, it's clear how this got here, but that's it. But then there's all these other studies on meditation, and then you look at those ones, and they have a bunch of regions of the brain. Amongst them is the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. The amygdala calms. The prefrontal cortex has volume. There's other regions of the brain that are affected too, but the common regions of the brain here are those regions of the brain. So 
what you now have is a very clear, now when you bring the studies together, it's very clear to see abused and neglected children mm. become violent and aggressive as adults. And that can be repaired through meditation. Right. It's very simple. Okay? And when they start actually implementing meditation programs amongst people who, or environments that are violent, they see massive changes. So in the TEDx, I use three examples. There's a maximum security prison, prison, uh, prison uh, that initiated a bunch of programs amongst 271 inmates, maximum security inmates. Uh, some, a group over here was doing like Christian, a Christian support group. This one's doing a Muslim group. These guys are doing like a drug rehab, and this one's some kind of self-help. And then these guys are doing transcendental meditation. And using this very academic standard for improvement, the, only, the trans, only the regular participants in the Transcendental Meditation Program improved. And this is over like 15 months. I over remember. 15 months, exactly. And in, in the talk, I lay it all out. But they're more communicative, um, mindful, more uh, aware of norms, more aware of goals, and the most important being a, a significant reduction in aggression. Okay. So that's that. Then you have one of the most violent prisons in Mexico. And I mean, one of the most, imagine this, Mexico. They had an event, they had some violent event, 11 men were killed and set on fire. Then a year or two later, they had a riot. 44 men were killed in one event. Mm. Toronto, if we have 44 murders in a year, that's a big, that's a big deal. 44 men were killed in one event. There's only 700 people in the prison. Do the, whoever knows their math, do the math on that ratio. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's massive. They initiate a meditation program, no extreme violence since that point, right? And then you, the third example is a middle school in San Francisco. That neighborhood that the school is in had 38 murders. Kids came to school, literally found dead bodies on their playground, right? So of course, a violent neighborhood like that, you can imagine that the school is also a very violent place. They're always fighting, it's always just wild in there. They initiated a meditation program. Year one, 45% drop in suspensions. Year two, 98% attendance rate. When they did their survey of uh, happiest, you know, healthy schools, the happiest school in San Francisco was this school. 20% of the kids were getting accepted to this fancy academic high school. Before that, maybe one kid. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's very, very clear what happens once you start bringing this into, uh, again, amongst violent people or in violent environments. There's a massive change. Were you doing this before it happened? Like, were you practicing? Yeah, I was meditating before it happened. Okay. But, right. but this kind of triggered it even more. Yeah, it's a bunch of, like I said, all these different things are kind of floating around, and the opportunity came to do the TED Talk, so that was, made me say, I'm going to talk about this and Let's bring it message. together. Because I had said it before. I mean, in the meeting with the mayor, I was like, when it really started was with the mayor. I said, I think after we had a, there's a shooting, there's a, right. that, that shooting, the really violent 20... 18 or we 2017. Just went a period, though. It was like... It was very violent. The driver so, on Young and Finch, Kensington Mark. Like, there was so many things... Yeah, that it was just going crazy. Yeah. So I remember I sat with the mayor and I said, I think there's... And there's, at the beginning, like, I've read this study and that study and I think there's a program, but it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. So I actually put it together for the mayor. As a message. Uh, not the TED Talk. Before the TED Talk, I did the TED Talk on this proposal I gave to the mayor. Right. Operation Prefrontal Cortex was something I said to the mayor. Meditation can do it. And, you know, he's the mayor, and he's off doing simple things. And so then I did it at the TED Talk. And then from the TED Talk, you just, you can't do a talk like that and leave. Now it became a thing. Everyone's like, how do I help? Everyone wanted to help. So we're doing, we're now, we've started Operation Prefrontal Cortex. 
Uh, it's just me and two other friends doing doing the work. Is Jay helping you out, by the way? Jay mm-hmm. Rosenzweig? Yes. Yeah. I had him on the podcast, too. Yeah, he's great. Great guy. You know, he's, been, he's been introducing us to some folks and, and advising on, on different things. So it's that kind of thing. Everyone wants to help. It's a very, very simple thing. And in a logical world, the, the people who are in charge of our schools would say, oh, yeah, do that. But it's not a logical world. We have to now get data and show them a thing, and then we show them a study, and then we said, "Then we got to go through this whole process that we have to go through." So part of what we, beyond the work we're doing to actually bring it to these into schools, into community groups, into uh, the correctional system, and into the streets itself, we're working to bring meditation to those places. But it's just us, just here, there. The bigger, the bigger thing is for if if it's an interest for people is to, you know, spread the gospel themselves. Mm. You know, if you think it's interesting, bring it up at a parent-teacher meeting. Bring it up at, to your principal. Hey, I heard meditation would be good. Do we have a meditation program? Just if enough teachers and parents and start asking those questions, enough, you know, we start asking these questions of our schools, of our correctional systems, of our police, who should also be meditating of the community groups, you know, all, all these things. It benefits everyone. Right? It benefits everybody, and the younger you do it, the better the benefits, um, regardless of if you, this isn't meditation will help you if you need help. Right. Meditation will help you, period. That's a good point. Period. Period. It's There's, just so weird, man, that how it has like a, a bit of a, a different connotation. Yeah. But for some reason, like if you say, oh, do you meditate? All of a sudden people think it's like, oh, but, you know, you sit with candles and like, yeah, and back. I mean, and it's not. This is meditating. That's it. You know what I'm saying? It's really, really simple. So if, for, if you want to meditate yourself, go to Google how to meditate. The journey's begun. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes. Look it up, figure out which one works best for you, and do that. Um, if you want to lead a group meditation, go to Google. Google how to lead a group meditation, and up comes information. And again, find the one that works best for you, do the experimenting, which one do you like, and which one works with the people that you're working with, and do that. Mm-hmm. This is not, people make it very mysterious. Oh, where did you, are you a certified? <laughs> Fuck out of here. This isn't, this, this isn't like being a doctor or a surgeon. This is closing your eyes and going silent and going inward. Right. That's what it is. Anyone that, anyone that tells you, that you need some special training or that they are the special trainer or anything like that. Not that if you can go to those folks, and that's terrific. If you have that time and you have that money and you're able to do it, terrific, go do it, right? But if not, or if you're told you shouldn't do it unless you meet one of these people, they're lying to you and they're trying to, they're, they're bigging up their own ego. Right. They're, there's, there's a, and you, then you look at them and say, what? There's something going on with you. Yeah. Oh, you should meditate. They t- you know what I'm saying? If someone is telling you that you can't do it unless you do something, there's something going on with them that they're pulling. They either enjoy pulling people down or they're trying to build themselves up huh. by, by putting themselves in an important position. Either way, that's their shit, not yours. Right. And you can ignore it. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. It is very, very simple to do. It's very, very important. And it's not, and we're not talking about, hey, maybe it's, it's like salad. It's like water. It's just good for you. Just do it. It's just good for you. Yeah. Just do it. The more the further, it's like walking. <laughs> There's certain things in the world that are just good for you, and this is one of them. You know what I mean? And the more you do it, and the more we get our kids doing it, we'll have that better world as well. How do you unplug though? Because I think from a lot of people who are listening, like I love, I love to meditate. To be honest, and just like you, I mean, for me, it's very simple. I, I 
either reflect, I'd ask myself questions like, what am I grateful for today? Or yeah. if I did something wrong, like, I... No, that's I, not the way you do it. You're kind doing of it analyze wrong. It. I know. That's what I've been told. I'm fucking it up. I don't know. You're doing it wrong. Like, You're doing it wrong. Come see me. Come see me. I'll teach you Direct how it's done. No, I'm joking. But it's uh, like, one of the things, like, I was telling my friends about this, right? And they're like, well, George, it sounds great if I could do it. But the problem is, I can't shut the noise. Like, I actually, and I was talking to my friend, actually, he's, he's been like, man, it's probably been like six years mm. where I haven't been in complete silence. Like, isn't that crazy? For example, like, if I get home, the first thing I'll do is turn on Netflix. Yeah. Or if I get bored of my show, I'll call my parents, or I'll call my friend. Yeah. Or... I mean, look, we're, it's so easy to, especially now when the distraction is right in your hand. So now I have to leave my phone. I know I'm not. I know if my phone's by my bed, I'm going to pick it up. Yeah. I can tell myself all I want. I don't do it, but I'm going to go pick it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I leave it in another room now. That's because I was going to ask you, like, how do you shut down? I just put it in another room. I meditate in the shower. Okay. If you need to, you know, because also the shower is one of the few places where culturally you don't interrupt a shower. That's right. You know what I'm saying? For whatever globally. reason, for globally, for whatever reason, the shower is this sacred place with all those. I, he's in the shower right now. I can't. I can't get him. <laughs> Anything else? Is, you can be on the toilet. They'll still knock on the door. That's right. <laughs> like nothing else matters. But the shower is this sacred, uninterruptible place. And as well, you can also say I didn't hear you. Right. right. So, but in the show, you have noise and you have water and you're in this place and no one's going to bother you. I'll. I just sit down in the shower and have my meditation. Okay. Right. So that was how it started. And now I can. Now when I just wake up, it's the first thing I do. Right, just so I have this this moment of silence. But whatever works for you, you have to find that thing. And then, as far as um, you know, getting quiet, just do it, even if it's just noisy. Doing this and being in your thoughts racing is way better than doing this in your thoughts racing. Yeah. You step, you're at least at step one. You feel me? And then you'll get there. And again, you can look on. There's lots of different forms of meditation. Starting small, man. Starting, starting small, small and yeah. finding one that works for you. There's chanting. There's incantations. There's visualization. Like part of the Silva method is once you go to the alpha state, you're doing visualizations. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like you're in your mental office. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. But the point is that it's all in the brain. It's all in here. It's all where it's happening. And that is, that's what's exercising the brain itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, just one last thing on this too is uh, like a, a Tony Robbins. I read uh, Unlimited Power like a, lo a long time ago and in, in that book he talks about like breathing techniques, for example. That's one thing you can do as well like in terms of just when you're in that state yeah. just to breathe better, right? Yeah. Because you're kind of panting all day, you're stressed, you're anxious, things happen. Just to give yourself like five minutes and... Like, yeah, what you normally find, if, if you punch in how to meditate, what you're going to find is, pro is most likely uh, close your eyes, sit still and concentrate on your breathing. Right. It's just something very simple to, to pay attention to. And now you're taking deeper breaths. You know, stuff when you just, even when you just say it to yourself, concentrate on your breathing, you, start, you become aware of how much deeper your breaths can be and things like that. So that's a great place to start. Okay. But we now live in the age of unlimited knowledge in the palm of your hands at all times. Right. You want to do it, go do it. You know what I mean? But now... Now this is, I feel, for our kids, this is more than just like a thing I do, you know, I'm kind of, I'm into it. For our kids, it's a necessity. Mm. It's a necessity. We see what's happening. It's like, you, the, these shootings that I read, these are kids, man. Kids, literally 16, 15, you're like, these are children. Who often don't really, are, don't realize the, the, you know, the consequences of what they're doing, too. It's just in their, in yeah, their state. I mean, you're, the, your brain, that's the reason why we have juvenile courts, right? You, we, we recognize... Uh, even in the legal system, that at a certain age, you're not fully, no matter what you do, you're not making full-on adult decisions. So we're not going to treat you like an adult. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
but now the world is just a whole other wilder place. You know, so... The cool thing with your message too is you didn't, your first inclination wasn't to retaliate. It wasn't like to get revenge, it was just to, to give a message and to actually turn this yeah. into a positive thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't targeted in no, my sure. shooting, so it, it's, it's a little bit different. Being a byproduct, right? I mean, look, look. yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, it's it is it is what it is. And then again, I I meditate, so I have a I'm calmer now. Yeah. You know, who knows what this would have been if I, and I was older when it happened to me. Right. You're more mature. Yeah. Who knows? When, the young version of me. Who knows what kind of foolish <laughs> ego maniac shit you'd get into? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it just was not ever part of my uh, thought process. And um, you know. Who knows who did it? No one. No one's out there claiming it. No one. No one. No one. You don't get any points for shooting fucking Director X. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to help you spread that message, man, for sure. And to everyone listening too. Before we end this, I want to ask you a quick. I mean, for, for kind of the audience base right now, right, twenty to thirty. Uh, what advice would you give based on everything you've done, everything you've accomplished, and you still will accomplish? What, you know, what are some kind of pieces of advice, tips? that you would uh, leave, leave us with? One, start meditating. All right, <laughs> cover that one. Yeah, come to me to do it properly, though, because only I have the true way to meditate. Um, hurting your just... <laughs> <laughs> Start meditating. Google, start meditating. It's, and, and the more you, like, you, you hear that a lot. In fact, someone just sent me, now that I do this, yeah. everyone sends me the meditation article, and Jay just sent me something about uh, some big, big fucking hedge fund, some billionaire says meditation changes everything for him. And it comes up a lot. So meditation's big. It it does a lot of great things for you. So, um, yeah, definitely meditate. And uh, I don't know. Maybe from business, like what? Just to to add to that, like what? In your 20s and 30s, I mean, what you have is youth and drive and people and people expect, appreciate uh, a hustle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're 20 years old, calling every day, shut it. What do we need? I'm here, man. Just give me a Like You're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, even if it's not always in the best place or whatever, you appreciate that. Older, it's not the same. <laughs> you're like, oh, what's going on? Right? So there, there's a, you have a lane that your youth gives you that that energy and enthusiasm is appreciated. Right? Uh, so it's just a matter of tempering it. Uh, to the right place, uh, knowing when to really push. Like when you bump, if you find Elon Musk in a nightclub, that's not really the time, right? Mm. But maybe it is the time to, to give me a name at the office. Yeah. <laughs> who's your assistant? Just give me, a, just give me, a, I'm, I'll get out of here. Just, who I'm going to send you something. Just, who do I send it to? Just, okay, I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. Smart enough to hustle, but smart enough to know. To back off, yeah. They're getting, okay, that's interesting, kid. You know what I mean? Whatever it is that it is, that you, you, can, you can do that hustle and just uh, begin to figure it out. But, yeah, it is a lot of hustle, man. You know, this, this game, it's, uh, you got to go get it. Mm. You got to go get it. So whatever it is, if it's, again, you start with your meditation, studying your craft is massive. Yeah. If we're really going to get into what's going to give you real, so you get in that room, and you are now talking to Elon Musk, and you say, well, you know, I've been studying the many different forms of electrical battery systems, and okay, kid, all right. You know, as opposed to, to, I'm in here, and hey, man, I'm that next guy. (laughs) You should just see my magic. (laughs) So if 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 you're feeling a bit in a rut, or you don't know what, that's always a good place to go back to. If you, if it feels like I'm not cracking, or for some reason it's not happening the way you want it to happen, the craft. 
go back to the craft. And now, again, you can watch videos on the YouTube. I still watch writing videos. There's lots of writers that make videos about writing. There's lots of filmmakers. There's lots of people that are making these essays. So you can essentially go to school on YouTube now. Right? Yeah. And there's just good insights. Um, it's great to hear other people that are very thoughtful on the field you've chosen to talk about it and get different perspectives. And, you know, there are some people who are, you know, very experienced people. Interviews with, you know, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a film series that they interview major, major writers. Yeah. And those writers talk about character arcs and all, all the different things there are. So, um, between all these different things, there's a good place for it. But really walking into a room with a deep well of knowledge or that you're building your knowledge and you can say that I'm learning and this is part of what... You hear this a lot as well from people. Learning, learning, reading. Essentially saying, are you learning? Are you concerned with are your you craft? Growing? Are you a professional? Like, that's really what yeah. it comes down to. Yeah, and these are... I mean, all these things are important. Um, professionalism, of course. Uh... Again, you're young. They're going to let some things within reason slide, right? right? But you'll you'll grow with it. But uh, they'll let things slide if you're a knowledgeable, talented, enthusiastic. You know, what I mean, if you're if you're a plus to the team, then we say, hey, man, you know, it's not over. You don't need to say, you know, that's not the person. That, that's not the email you should send. You can guide people through their mistakes, mm. but you know, why do they want to guide you through that mistake and keep you around? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate this. Uh, make sure to connect with Director X. And, uh, I think mostly it's on, on Instagram. Uh, yeah, Instagram. My Instagram page is Director X. The Instagram for Operation Prefrontal Cortex is op.pfc. Okay. And the website for Operation Prefrontal Cortex is op-pfc.com. Got it. Thank you so much, hey, bro. Man. Appreciate you for being here. You too, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers.